calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everybody and welcome uh, to this brand new spoiler review episode for The Last of Us here from the Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey! Yeah. We're back at it on this Monday morning after all the madness of the Super Bowl, but of course after this tr- uh, this uh, episode dropped, episode five here, endure and survive on Friday night. A lot of people still were catching up with it on Sunday night, so maybe some of you all are joining us uh, for our review for the first time after having watched it yourselves this morning or last night. Uh, So we're excited to jump into all of it. This is a spoiler review, just warning you right off the bat. So if you haven't watched uh, the episode, go and watch it, come back and hang out with us here. But let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you can see me next month or this month on the premiere party down. I've been having some computer issues this morning. Okay. I can't hear you guys all that well, so I'm going to try and fix it. Just don't pay attention to me. <laughs> He's going to fix it on the fly. Wow. Shout out to you there, Shannon. Um, uh, maybe uh, get okay. Some uh... what are, you, are you getting a little Fedra interference? Is that what's going on? What's going on with your computer? <laughs> 
Um, anyway, big shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Head on over to CarbonHealth.com for all your healthcare questions, concerns, or needs. They will take care of you. Uh, whether it's a bloater or a regular clicker or whatever you got ailing you, they will absolutely take care of you there. Head on over and get the app as well on the App Store for uh, those uh, questions, concerns, and needs on the go. Uh, and they certainly are focusing more on mental health as well. So go and take advantage of those um uh, programs and facilities that they have for them there we go we lost shannon mcclung there we go right off the bat all right well um we're gonna get into this thing we're gonna break it down by storylines but oh we always like to start with the general overall conversation so until shannon comes back michael please what are your thoughts on episode five here endure and survive and the emotional journey that we went through this entire episode and getting more with Joel and Ellie getting, uh, getting introduced to Henry and Sam and getting some more of the background with Kathleen and these hunters. Uh, well, unlike Shannon's computer, uh, this episode was great. Uh, it was, it was another great, great episode. Um, oh wait, Shannon's back. How are we doing, Shannon? Right. It's, 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 it was, it was my audio. I was having, I was, I had my earbuds in. They, uh, they, they conked out on me. I tried to put these in. They weren't, they weren't cooperating. Now, now they are. I can hear everything. Yeah, buddies. Okay. All right, I'm ready. Okay. Now. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. All right. Um, I thought this episode. I mean, this episode was heartbreaking and terrifying and awful in the best ways. But uh, I think this episode really underscored some of the bigger themes of the show. Um, um, you know, like between between Kathleen and her relationship with her brother Michael, between Henry and Sam, um, you're just seeing sort of all of these relationships that are very reflective of the Joel and Ellie relationship um, and kind of underscoring the yeah. theme of love being the most important thing uh, for humanity and the yeah. lack of love or, uh, you know, giving in to your fear, your anger, your hatred um, is not the way that we are going to survive as a species. So, you know, just like there was a lot going on. There was a lot said. I mean, Kathleen has a speech at the end that pretty much hits all the themes of this show right on the nose. And in the midst of all that, we got one of the most terrifying uh, moments <laughs> that uh, that I would put up against some of the most terrifying moments of Walking Dead or any other zombie things. Did I scream? Yeah, I screamed. I screamed really loud and my friends laughed at me. So uh, it was great. I mean, it, again, it's just another great example of this show doing such a great job of adapting the video game while at the same time expanding on the themes and the ideas in the video game in amazing ways and still giving us really fun visual scares and stuff that we haven't quite seen before. Um, and it just is all kind of combining to be really one of the best shows that we've seen in a really, really long time. Yeah, I have to agree. Shannon, yeah, Michael talking about some themes here. Certainly the idea of protector and the person being protected. We're seeing that repeated in different ways, uh, mirroring what Joel and Ellie are going through. And what, as Michael alluded to, the idea, is it love or hate that's going to get us through this? And, of course, leading to that moment where all the infected comes streaming out of that um, uh, underground area, which also speaks to the volume of if we keep hiding away uh, a problem or putting a problem down or shoving it away, it's eventually going to explode and overwhelm us. So, so much that was explored here theme-wise, but also character beats-wise with these relationships. What did you think of this episode overall? I mean, just really, really good. I mean, this was one, you know, I'm so programmed to watch it on Sundays that I forgot that it was going to be available on Friday. And so then when I, you know, we were texting like, hey, it's up. Like, oh, God, I'm watching it by myself. Like, this this, this show is not my my wife's cup of tea. 
So uh, uh, trying to find that time to be able to go and watch it and seeing how people were reacting to the episode was just very frustrating. Um, But once I finally was able to sit down and watch it, it was just outstanding. And again, the the actors that they cast on this show are Mm. just top notch. I mean, uh, Lamar Johnson, who was playing Henry, and I believe his name is Kevin Woodard, who played Sam, who is actually, you know, deaf. Um, my goodness, just two, two very, very powerful, powerful performances. And not that it becomes the comparing game of like, what is it about this show that Walking Dead did something differently? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, those, those first few seasons of Walking Dead, they're really good. Mm-hmm. This show is so different and, and it's really tough to, to kind of put your finger on it. I don't know if it is a show that is just so focused on the survivors and how five episodes in, we've only really had two episodes with the infected um, and, and how much it's about the people and how much it's, it's them trying to rebuild the society. I mean, maybe because this one is set kind of 20 years into it, whereas yeah. walking dead wasn't that long after it started. Um, but action wise at the end, I mean, really kind of putting you in again, having not played the game, really putting you into that type of level where Joel is sniping is like, like the the objective of the mission is to protect Ellie. Yeah. And you are just, you are just right there with Joel, like looking at this chaos, trying to protect this one person. But again, though, as Vogel was saying, those relationships, those mirror relationships to Ellie and Joel, whether it be Henry and Sam, whether it be, you know, the, the, the folks that took over Kansas, mm-hmm. um, it's just so, so well done. And one of the things that I always really enjoy about the HBO shows is uh, most of the time, um, they do have that inside the episode afterwards and getting uh, getting to hear from the cast, getting to hear from uh, Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin. Um, y- you can just tell the amount of care that was put into this show and, and really knowing that how it has deviated from the game a little bit or reading how it's deviated from the game um, really hats off to Neil Druckmann. Uh, the guy who, you know, was really the, you know, the creative force from the game that's on the show and mm. how he roles with these changes and like he sees the advantages of like hey this thing's been out for 10 years where can we because it's a different medium where can we plus yeah and you know it can be it can be difficult for a creator to kind of you know let let loose with their grip on the th- on their baby um but watching how he and craig mazin have really their partnership how it is uh just spinning this incredible narrative um i agree with vogel it is one of the best shows we've had on tv in a long time yeah, I agree. Um, and of course, Pedro Pascal leading the way in such a, um, I don't know, such a fantastic way to see. And I was thinking about it, I was re-watching it a second time this morning, like how it could have been easy for him to be like, well, I don't want to be typecast in this role yet again, this guy protecting a younger uh, person in his care. I don't want to be it. But like there's something about the material that must have really spoke to him, something about the journey of this character, the journey of him and Ellie in their relationship, the journey of this world, the fleshing out of this world. And with Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann, as you said here, Shannon, brought to the table to convince him to be a part of this project. And thank God they have, because although he's a little bit of a backseat in this episode, there are still the moments to get Joel and get you to connect with Joel and care for Joel and understand that underneath that rough exterior, there is a guy who cares a lot about people. And the reason he's pulled himself so far back is because he's endured some losses and it's just harder for him to take the losses than it is for maybe some other people. And you can see that in those little moments when he has exchanges with uh, with Henry about the things he did for Sam when they're down in that little 
first grade preschool, whatever that is, room there under the tunnel. So, um, all right. So the way we're going to jump into this thing, we're going to take it storyline wise uh, and go through that. So let's start off with the Kathleen storyline. You mentioned great actor Shannon Melly Linsky, certainly obviously pushing back on some of the criticism that she had on social media, forcing one person to shut down their entire Twitter account because of the, the irrational comments that person made at Melanie Linsky's defense. And this is why, because she can bring this kind of a performance to a character. Like this is why you cast an actress like this. We see right off the bat, we see all this terrible things happening to the Fedra people. I mean, that's a way to start an episode. People getting hung, uh, hand tie, uh, handcuffed behind their backs and beaten. It's just horrible. So seeing half naked people, God knows what's happening to them. So we're seeing all this devastation right off the bat, fuck Fedra and all that kind of stuff. And then we go to Melanie Linsky here as Kathleen, and she is having this conversation with these collaborators and the way she's talking down to them, the way she's prodding them to get the information, gets the information, walks out with Perry, has the back and forth of Perry, and makes it clear to Perry, yo, we got to get Henry. It's not my seventh priority. This has to get done. By the way, go and kill him and burn the bodies. And then we see her later sitting, standing there in the bedroom of her and Michael's. We hear about the the, the uh, story of her and Michael, how Michael protected her, and Michael was always there for her. And she's telling Perry this, who maybe might have crossed the line by asking Kathleen's mom where she is. Kathleen kind of gets him with a little jab there. But Kathleen speaks about Michael and talks about how much Michael I means. Again, this idea of Michael that Vogel brought up here, caretaker. Michael was her caretaker, protected, you know, created this box. Nothing could get through this box. But Michael is gone now because of Henry. And she, and she reveals that her and Michael had a conversation where Michael told her to forgive Henry for what Henry did. And we find out that, of course, later in the episode that Henry had sacrificed Michael in order to get drugs uh, to help his uh, brother, Sam, who had leukemia. So we see the weight of it all. Michael knew this. And Michael told Kathleen and told her to forgive. But she said, no, what justice is there to win from that? And Perry also reassures her that her way actually got the job done. Not Michael's way, which is, of course, an interesting perspective to have. She ends up later, you know, she ends up having the old guy shooting to make sure that that Henry and Sam and uh, Joel and Ellie don't get out of that area, essentially pinning them down. She shows up and we have, as Michael alluded to, this conversation with her and Henry when Henry comes out and she says to him, kids die. You were selfish. Why do you think the whole world revolves around Sam completely unaware or or lack of self-awareness? that she felt that way about Michael. This whole thing is happening because of her obsession for vengeance and justice for the one person who her world revolved around with, and that's Michael. Uh, It's a really interesting moment. And then, of course, and we'll talk about that later, uh, Infected comes storming out. She ends up escaping thanks to Perry getting his head ripped off, and she shows up there uh, confronting the kids, pulls the gun, and before she can uh, shoot them, uh, that little um, contortionist uh, uh, infected girl jumps on her and beats the living shit out of her and eats her as well. Um, but there's a moment here, and I know you guys are going to talk about it more specifically, but that moment when Henry comes out and Kathleen has the gun on him, Kathleen gets emotional and almost like doesn't pull the trigger. She has that moment like really seeing Henry, and it's almost like her last connection to Michael, her last real thing with Michael, and I thought that was so well played. By, by Melanie Linsky, uh, as well as all the more cruel moments that she had. Michael, what did you think of, of uh, this whole storyline as it played out here? Because that's the last we get of Kathleen uh, in this series. What yep. did you think about how it all played out? Uh, I mean, like I said uh, last week, when you guys were all uh, on the Kathleen train, like I, I think she is, I mean, she is the ultimate example of someone who has lost their way. But Melanie yep. Linsky plays the shit out of this. Like she is a 
fascinating character. Um, and just to see the exec the like in execution to see a character who um, started off doing the right thing, like rising up and overthrowing Fedra is good by all accounts everything that we have seen in the 20 years since this outbreak happened uh the federal government has gone to like started off a weekend like shooting innocent uh non-infected people and things got worse from there so overthrowing fedra totally makes sense but that scene where she is sitting there in that cell with all of the people who collaborated with fedra for their own reasons and she kind of you know in foreshadowing what we're going to learn about henry says so look you guys you know, you guys informed on people for alcohol, for medicine, for apples. How does it feel now? And then to promise them that they're going to be treated fairly. This idea that we have now overthrown our oppressors, but we're going to do things differently. And then to instantly go outside and take it back and say, no, we're going to burn them. Like burn them. It's easier to get rid of the bodies that way. Like you just see that she's just become the thing that she hates so much. And she doesn't have the ability to empathize that all of these people sitting there you know, like uh, I think Neil Druckmann said this in one of the interviews, but like a lot of the show is about not being able to see people for who they are anymore, that, that people right. just become the monsters that you hate. And so all of these people that were just trying to get by under Fedra, like everybody else, maybe they didn't make the best decisions. Maybe they made the best decisions they could for the position that they were in, but she doesn't want to hear any of it to her. They are all now less than human, just like Henry is. And so for her to go on this whole this whole journey and then to find out in that scene in her childhood bedroom um, that Michael, Michael sounds like he was a great guy. I mean, and even when Henry talks about Michael, he says, and I know we're not on the Henry stuff, but he even describes him as like, you know, that person that you would follow anywhere, that person that's amazing, that person that's great. And that's why I did the worst thing ever. And Kathleen and Henry seem to agree on Michael. Like, you know, she was like, he was this amazing guy. He made things better for me growing up. He was this person. And such an amazing guy that he was the one who saw that empathy. He yeah. was the one that saw, you need, to, you need to forgive Henry. He did the best he could because of the Sam situation, because of everything else. And Kathleen doesn't want to hear it. And you just see her going through. And even in last week's episode, and I think this is really key. Joel said something to Ellie one or two episodes ago when they were in the car. Uh, so I guess I guess one episode ago where he kind of says that Fedra like the humanity's pointing the guns at the wrong thing that Fedra's using all of their trucks and their guns and everything to keep people in the quarantine zone and to execute people and to do this and you see Kathleen do the exact same thing in these two episodes there is a clear threat underneath Kansas and she ignores it because she would rather point the guns at Henry and then yeah. it comes back to bite her in the ass. Uh, and then leading to that great speech that she has where, you know, Henry's like, look, I'll, you can have me. Just let the kids go. And she's like, sorry, Sam's yeah. tied to you. She, this girl's tied to the guy that killed Brian. So uh, we're, you know, we're going to kill everybody because that's how we're going to do things here. And then to say, why do you think the world revolves around this one person? John, you're absolutely right. Like she's completely unaware that she's doing the same thing because her entire all of her choices revolve around Michael. But in the bigger picture, and I think this is what. Uh, what every what everyone creatively working on the show is trying to say, like this is what we all do, like mm -hmm. any of us, like yeah. the people in our lives that we really love, we would do anything to protect them, and we would do anything to keep them safe, and we would maybe make choices that aren't the best for the bigger world, and it's what 
Frank and Bill says, what Frank and Bill's episode is about. Mm-hmm. It's what uh, it's what Bill says to um, Joel in the letter. It's what Tess says to Joel before she dies. Just save who you can't. Like there is just this really strong theme um, that goes throughout. And I think Kathleen's entire arc is just the inverse of the journey that Joel is going on in a very, very tragic, but uh, because it's acted so beautifully kind of really powerful way. Yeah, I think whether one of you all said this last week or or I read this somewhere in a review where people were talking about comparing comparis yeah having comparing The Walking Dead to um, The Last of Us and and for me I, I said this on my own review a couple of days ago I said you know The Walking Dead uh, walked so that The Last of Us could run you can see the the beats here I mean you can compare this to um, Carol's daughter this with stuff what happens with Sam later on in the episode very similar in that moment that the, where the the show absolutely changes. I think the difference, though, is The Last of Us gives us more hope amidst all the madness, amidst all the the real human stuff. Mm. We're seeing that. Whereas The Walking Dead feels more depressive, this felt even... We're seeing what human beings would actually do, but there's a little more understanding about why. There's a little more exploration of these things, and I like that this show does that. And so where you might think Kathleen is the way she is, you understand why these things are happening. You understand why Henry did what he did with Sam. You understand why Joel is tortured by the loss of his daughter, why Ellie is the way she is. And so there's so much more of an understanding of these characters as we're going through it that I think The Last of Us is doing well. And look, there's no bash on Walking Dead. They had a multiple characters to try to flesh out. Not an easy thing to do, but I just kind of feel like this one has just a slight bit more hope to it uh, than, uh, than The Walking Dead did. Um, what do you think, Shannon, about Kathleen's journey through this episode? We're getting much more with her talking about Michael, talking her obsession to get Henry. Then even that moment where she has a bit of emotion before she's about to kill Henry, what is that all about? And even when she confronts him, she doesn't pull the trigger the second time either immediately. There's more of a, a, a like a pause there before she's eaten. What do you think about how Melanie Linsky did with this character throughout this uh, episode? I mean, you phrased it pretty perfectly, Johnny, when you said you understand why people are doing what they're doing. Mm. Um, Because even though in the narrative, she is being framed as the bad guy, um, you look at where she came from. You look at what has transpired that has led her to this moment. And, you know, that opening, I mean, that is absolutely brutal like you're watching people be executed you're watching people be strung up um you know you see that that humvee uh uh, dragging a body that has uh probably 20 or 30 uh uh knives whatever stabbing implements sticking out of it so knowing that fedra was so bad in kansas city which henry does confirm Mm. later it's like is this justified? I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, again, the way it's being framed is these are the bad guys, but then you hear everything that led up to it. And it's that, you know, the people who are on the bottom are now on the top. And as, uh, uh, as Kathleen is addressing the collaborators and, but you understand why they did it too. I mean, especially when it comes to Henry, that, or uh, with Henry and Sam that, you know, he had a child in his care that was suffering. There was a way to make him not suffer. There was a way to heal him, but you have to do this thing. And and that's really the, the really great storytelling that they're doing is presenting these moral arguments um, 
and obviously because Michael, we, we hear what an amazing guy this was because Michael did tell his sister, like, you gotta, you know, you gotta forgive Henry. Um, and she chooses not to like she chooses once they have overthrown overthrown the bad guy rather than confronting the threat that is the most imminent she's she's hell bent on revenge so i mean again i'm not totally off the kathleen train from last week i mean it's like like i i get it i get it i mean you 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 flip you flip the camera and there's a section where she's the good guy. I mean, you know, I mean, Anigo Montoya, all he wanted was revenge for, you know, for, for that, for, you know, uh, uh, Christopher Guest. Sure. Anigo Montoya didn't go kill everybody in his path to get to the guy that killed we his dad. don't know that. Know, it's been 20 years. <laughs> it's you know? been 20 years. He got really good at sword fighting. I'm guessing he wasn't just hitting a dummy. It doesn't make a lot of money, though. He he was working for Fezzik. But I uh, I mean, to your point, to to your point, I think there's a really clear message here because the other part in that Michael, in that scene where she's talking about Michael uh, is the the realization when when What's-His-Face is like, uh, yeah, but he, he didn't get us there. You did. We're behind you. Like... In the world, like like Michael sounds like he was a great guy. He organized people. He had a resistance going on. But Kathleen's the one that got shit done. Kathleen is a Joel. Kathleen is a Bill. Kathleen is one of those people that can she she's gonna get shit done. She's gonna make it happen. The difference being that both Bill and Joel have found a person to hold on to their humanity to. Um, you know, like Joel, Joel shut himself off. Joel could have been a Kathleen for the past 20 years. I mean, Joel didn't want anything to do with anything. He had tests, which probably kept him from becoming a Kathleen, but it's this relationship. He was a bit of a Kathleen for a little bit. Yeah. 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 He did some bad shit. And so it's Ellie that's bringing him out of that because he has this connection that's going to help him move on from the death of Sarah. Um, Kathleen can't let go of the Michael death. And so she... Although, although to your point, Shannon, her grief is justified. Her anger is justified, but it is just there. There's nothing tethering her to reality anymore. Because, like, just to be, because just to be clear, those scenes that we're seeing in the opening, that those brutal, brutal scenes, that's not Fedra. That's Fedra right, being killed. Oh yeah, like yeah, those. Yeah. That's that's Kathleen and her people. So like, yeah. you see how brutal Kathleen and her people have become, and you're like. Yeah, this is oh, it's 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 rough. But like to your point, it is what's great about this is that they are presenting such a moral quandary that you can mm-hmm. see how easy it is to go either way. That that making the right choice uh, and holding on to your humanity and finding that way to move out and find the hope that you guys are talking about is a lot harder sometimes. Uh, you know, as cheesy as Star Wars can be, it's like the path to the dark side is an easy one. It's the light side that can be challenging sometimes. Now, quick, quick uh, hypothetical. Yeah. Now, let's say that Joel did not shoot that driver who was in that, you know, crazy Mack truck. Let's say Kathleen and her people, they get Henry, they get Sam, they get Joel, they get Ellie. What kind of leader is Kathleen after that? Like, once she, is it just the road to paranoia? Does she eventually uh, address the infected that are about to uh, Vesuvius out of the ground? Or does she become a good leader? It's a good question. 
That's a good question. Like, well, what's does she become more of a megalomaniac because she's gotten rid of the person that she needed to get rid of and took care of business? Does that feed her ego that she does know the right thing to do and her path is the right path because it leads to results? And Perry's sitting there like a yes man the whole time, even though, listen, great acting by him in those moments where Kathleen is telling yeah. him things to do. He doesn't want to do it. When he says, when she says, like, oh, oh he says, we can do trials. And she's like, no and he goes and she goes just kill them burn them or whatever you see him like take that breath like fuck and then the other thing when she's when he when they come out and have the conversation and she's like we're gonna go kick all the doors he's like we don't have the manpower to do that we can't do that we shouldn't be doing this and this she's like he's not my seventh priority get the fuck on it so there's more here that could be could cause some ripples and some division between perry and kathleen that's only hinted at but uh, even in the in the room there with uh, talking about michael Perry is kind of just kind of staring at her. And Perry looks like he didn't know that she talked to Michael. And so how is that going to change Perry down the road if they had gotten rid of Joel and Ellie and Henry and Sam? It's a good question to bring up. Uh, um, uh, I mean, by the by the nature of what the show is trying to say, and as we were saying about Joel, uh, uh, Kathleen, after if she had killed everybody and then had taken care of the infected and life in Kansas moved on, um, that doesn't make her – she might be a, an effective leader – but yeah. if she can't find that way to tether herself back to humanity again, to find love again, to move on. So look, look, is there a version of a world where Kathleen finds her version of an Ellie 10 years after Kansas and then has to reckon with the horrible, horrible things she did? Sure. Like that that's kind of the journey we're seeing Joel on right now. But she still has to make those leaps, which is what we are watching Joel do. So that's where I think Kathleen's story is so interesting because she is – the Joel story without an Ellie to pull you back. Yeah, look how quickly we move on with the Odin story after Hela told us all the shit that Odin pulled, and then we have Odin dying and everyone gets emotional without because they're not processing all the shit he did because he became, we're seeing him at the tail end, not in the middle of his uh, full of piss and vigor and killing species and killing all kinds of people on different planets and get, uh, all over the galaxies. It's just different where you catch people. Uh, Shannon, were you done with your points of Kathleen? I wanted I to throw a symbolism thing in. Go ahead, yeah. No, no, go for it, Johnny. I was. Yeah, I think what's fascinating, too, about the Kathleen stuff is we're seeing at the beginning, as you pointed out here, Michael, the ferocity of the hunters unleashed. And certainly Joel speaks about that. And I think there is a connective tissue to the um, infected who come out at, in that moment in the, in the show as well. This idea that if you keep a society of human beings down, infected or not, when they are finally freed from your control and your rule, they will destroy everything in sight in order to satiate their vengeance. So it's a commentary on humanity as well, which has repeated itself ad nauseum for years, so or for decades, for centuries. And I think what's great about the show is in a microcosm, you see it happening with Kathleen and Henry. In a macro world, you see it happening with the hunters and Fedra and the infected against the hunters. And so I think that's always mm -hmm. what's so interesting about uh, this show over the last five episodes is how it, wor it works on a micro level, but on a macro level. And it never ends, right? Because well, you did this to save your family, but you killed my family, so I must get vengeance on you. Well, you killed my person and my family, so I must now get vengeance on your family. We're going Hatfields and McCoy. So this stuff just goes on and on, whether it's countries or people or, or families, it just goes on and on and on, sadly. And that's the aspect of humanity because there are so few Gandhis and Martin Luther Kings and other people like that, sadly, because we're not built to be that in mass. And so I think that's 
what's so interesting about the show. Uh, so just throwing it out there. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump into the big meat, uh, meaty storyline of this. That's Henry and Sam right after this. Just the last of us. No. We can make it if we try. No. It's the no. last of us. You and I. No, <laughs> All right. Uh, Let's get into Henry and Sam here. What's an incredible uh, performance here. Uh, As you mentioned, Shannon, um, Kevin Woodard being uh, deaf coming in as a new kid. And we're seeing more and more deaf actors taking prominent roles in these franchises and in these uh, projects, which I think is great to see. But Lamar Johnson is incredible as Henry as a performer here throughout. Yeah. I tweeted out that this guy should be on your, uh, on the top, uh, on your list of people to cast as the lead in your show or your movie immediately or in your superhero franchise, for the love of God, save him from that X-Men nonsense and put him in a decent uh, film, uh, superhero film, if you want to. But what an incredible performance here. And we see this relationship develop. We only saw them pull guns on Joel and Ellie at the end of this last episode. But in this episode, we see their story. We go back a little bit in time, right when the Hunters are taking over Fedra. And by the way, this was only 10 days ago. So we see from the timeline there, see Henry and Sam escaping out. Of course, Kathleen finds out that they're with Fettelstein. Fettelstein's the doctor who we saw in the last episode. And we find out that Henry and Sam uh, are, are brothers and that he is, and that Sam is deaf, which is a change from the game. He is not deaf in the game. So it's an interesting wrinkle. And he is taking care of his brother. His brother is obsessed with superhero stuff. They, they go to this uh, uh, hideout house uh, that Fettelstein has for them. They spend 10 days there. They're running out of food. Uh, and then they, they uh, Henry has a plan to get on out of the city. He doesn't know if he can make it, but he has a plan. And then they watch the Joel and Ellie situation happen from last episode. So that come, so uh, uh, Henry comes up with a new plan. They go and confront Joel and Ellie. They talk. They have some food. We have a fun little banter about Joel's asshole voice with Ellie and all this that goes on. And then Henry talks them into helping them escape. We see them having uh, conversations as they go into the tunnels and they go to that preschool or whatever that is, daycare that they're sitting at. And we hear that Henry and Sam, uh, that uh, Henry sacrificed Michael in order to get the drugs for Sam because of the leukemia. Uh, And we also see that Henry understands that Joel is a dad, maybe not Ellie's dad, but certainly a dad. And that kind of puts stops Joel in his tracks. Then later we see them uh, uh, walking through thinking that they've escaped at night. And then all that stuff happens that we talked about with the infected and Kathleen and what have you. And they escape uh, and end up at the um, at this house. And we have this back and forth. We see Joel kind of open up and invite uh, um, Henry and Sam to come with them to Wyoming. This kind of glimmer of what could be this possibility uh, that ends up leading to tragedy because we have Sam and Ellie having a, a, a conversation there on the pad about things and sam asks the one question that is i mean just stop me in my tracks when i read that are you still a monster are you still yourself inside when you become a monster which was just devastating to read shows her the bite mark and by the way i've never played the game so i had no idea about any of this i was going insane but you see ellie uh you know put her blood on him to try to cure him the next morning wakes sam is sitting on the edge of the bed ellie walks over he attacks ellie they burst through the door Joel tries to stop it, but is shot off by uh, by Sam or by Henry rather. And then Henry makes the really brutal and heartbreaking decision to shoot his own brother in the head. And as this dawns on him, and we see a, again a wonderful acting performance from Lamar Johnson, and he realizes what he's done. He's, he's pointing the gun at Joel. He's asking himself, "What have I done? What have I done?" 
and then pulls the gun on himself and kills himself in front of Ellie and Joel. What a horrible ending and tragic ending to this beautiful relationship of brothers. And then we, Ellie kind of uh, puts the last piece of the puzzle here on that relationship by putting the I'm sorry on oh. the pad there on their grave. So, Shannon, uh, this is a devastating uh, storyline. And shout out again to both of these actors who, by the way, only get one episode to make us care for this relationship and affect us the way they do by the end of the episode. What do you think here? I mean, the simplicity of both of their performances um, was just, it just was so authentic. And as you were talking about, like, you know, we had one episode to care about, to care about these two. That's something that the writers and the directors and the actors, everyone's doing a really, really great job. Cause it was the same situation with Bill and Frank. Like we had one episode and by the end, some people are saying this is one of the best episodes TV ever. And, you know, I would put this one in there as well. I mean, just because you see the care that Henry takes with Sam and, you know, they're really good at dishing out that little bit of information, that little bit of backstory um, for, again, for people who don't, who, who are uninitiated. So when he says, you know, I've never killed anybody. And then when he says, well, that wasn't totally true. And then you can see Joel's hackles get raised. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, shit, what's going on? And then you find out what he actually did and how that connects to Kathleen. Um, there's just so much love between those two in, the, in, this, in this, you know, brotherly relationship. And, like, just a great scene between Henry and the actor who played uh, the doctor, Edelstein, when he says, you know, is Sam yeah. scared? He's like, well, yeah, he saw a lot. And he's like, no, he's scared because you're scared. And to watch Henry connect with Sam, it was just, you know, again, just a really, really beautiful thing to see. And to know, like they tell us up front, there are no bullets in their guns. Yeah. So they're really kind of going on a wing and a prayer that, that Joel's not going to jump up and grab that gun. Um, but you watch that slow bonding between not just Ellie and Sam, but between Henry and Joel as well. Like, I think this is the most we've seen Joel change. Uh, And granted, that change was already in effect. Like, Ellie has already had, Ellie and and Tessa's sort of last, you know, last wish. Um, It, it, Joel is already on the path at this point, but you see him when he invites them to go to Wyoming. I mean, it's just so, it's just so pure. And by the time you get to the hotel at the end, um, and again, Kayvon Woodard, like uh, kid, a- kid actors, it's always a challenge because you never know what's what's going to happen. Um, but then you add you add, you know, the, the death angle as well. And, you know, it, the kid was just he was just so freaking good. Like you, you couldn't or rather I couldn't stop looking at his eyes every time he would he would sign and then he would kind of point at what he's referring to. Like he was just so captivating. And that moment when Ellie wakes up and he's on the foot of the bed, I mean, as an audience member, we know, like we know what's happened. Like he's gone and watching Henry pull the gun to protect himself, then pull the gun on Joel to protect his brother who is gone. And that sort of instinct that he had, to shoot when it looked like Sam was going to get Ellie. I mean, their relationship or rather that dynamic, it's very similar to Bill and Frank. Like when Bill knew that Frank was, 
he was going to go. It's like, that is my purpose. That's my reason for being. If that is gone, I don't need to be here anymore. And granted, uh, Henry's thinking was a little more accelerated. Um, but like, what is his life after this? Like, if if Joel was able to wrestle that gun away from him, what is Henry's life after this? Like, he will never get over the death of his the death of his little brother and, and the fact that he didn't cause the death of his brother. He caused the death of the infected. Um, Sam was gone, but that is not something a, a, a person I, or, or it it is not a small thing for a person to get over that. Right. So you understand you understand why he does it. But also with Joel, Joel tried to save him at the end. Like even though Joel knew where Henry was having, you know, been in the same situation 20 years before um, knowing that Henry is probably going to be not the most stable guy. He still tried to, he still tried to stop him from taking his own life. Um, I agree with you, John. I think, I, I I think Lamar Johnson is a name we're going to be hearing quite a bit in the next few years. And whether that means he's leading a series, leading a movie or just a solid ensemble player, like this is a guy that is, uh, is not going away anytime soon. And I really hope that Kayvon Woodard is um, given the opportunities that there are more roles for hearing impaired actors and that he will be amongst that group. Yeah, Michael, I mean, Mm -hmm. what an unusual characterization for both of these actors to take on, right? Um, Henry is no wallflower. Henry is not pleased or begging for the help. Henry's very firm. And when he's planning things out, when they're in that mini conference room and he's telling him, he's saying, no, you need me and I need you because I need to get out of here. And this is how it's going to get done. And then even before they agree, he tells Sam, oh, they're going to help us escape, kind of trapping them in this situation because Henry's not going to take no for an answer. And by the same token, Sam himself is not just a hearing impaired kid who's like, dependent on his brother he's like i'm fucking hungry i'm hungry like feed me like they're they each have their natural human impulses that would come out in an extreme situation like this instead of turning them into wallflowers they're very clear uh three-dimensional characters that i don't i don't think we've seen too often in shows like this in situations like this what did you think overall about how this storyline was handled and these characters and these two actors uh, I mean, just echoing what you guys said, I think Lamar Johnson and Kayvon Woodard were just fantastic. And to to the point of the Bill and Frank episode, to the point of this episode, to have these characters come in that are so well-written and so well-performed that you instantly care about them, fall in love with them, get who they are, get how they tie into the bigger story. It, it really is an achievement. Um, I think there's two big reasons that Last of Us kind of hits a differently than Walking Dead. One, I'll talk about when we get to the Joel and Ellie story, but the other thing is a lot of times the hardest thing to do in writing is to is brevity. And I think Walking Dead, and look, I don't want to take anything from away from Walking Dead. When Walking Dead first came out, we all loved it. It just, it kind of became soap opera after a while because that's naturally what happens with any show. You add more characters, you have more characters, you have more characters, you have to figure out all these different connections, you have to track everything that happened. And I think it kind of lost the way of what it wanted to say. Last of Us is such a tight story. And every character, you can see how it reflects the journey of Joel and Ellie. Like everything is very tight and it's there for a specific reason. So you don't feel like you're getting lost in it. And Henry and Sam really, really reflect that. What I find most interesting about this relationship, I think I think the choice to make Sam hearing impaired was great. Because I do think it really underscores how reliant he is on Henry and how much he needs him in that protector protected relationship. But to your point, even within that, 
um, because Kevin Woodard, Woodard is hearing impaired, he didn't play him as a one note hearing impaired character to yeah. your point, John, like he actually was a fully developed character who he and Henry can easily communicate with each other. You did like, you didn't have to play any of the, Oh, I don't know what he's saying. Like it just, and even with um, Sam and Ellie, how they really quickly sort yes. of figured out how to communicate and talk to each other. So it what you know, to have a character that you give them a reason why they really need Henry there, but don't let that be a one note character, I think is a really great achievement across the board on the show. But what's interesting is Henry, I think Henry is a great, is a great protector. He's definitely doing a good job of Sam, but there's this key difference between him and Joel. And I think it's really reflected in the gun. We mm-hmm. see Joel in the last episode give the gun to Ellie, show her how to shoot, make sure she's shooting right, and that thing is loaded. Uh, Henry gives Sam a gun that's not loaded. And even the stuff with the superhero stuff, as sweet as it is, like there's a lot of shielding Sam from the reality of what's happening. And right, Joel right. doesn't shield Ellie. Like, look at my eyes, look at my eyes, don't yep. look at what's going on there. Right, good point, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to your point, that's what Joel does with Sarah in the first episode. Sarah's the daughter, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Um, when Joel first, you know, when, when when he's got Sarah, he's like, don't look, don't look, don't look. He is shielding her. He doesn't shield Ellie from shit. Ellie is in the thick of it. And so what Henry is doing with Sam is more reflective of what Joel did with Sarah than what Joel does with Ellie. And, uh, you know, I do think that was really great on their part, like, and, it, and it's tied to the game, but like, uh, well, actually, no, this isn't tied to the game because Henry, they could have made Henry's story more, um, oh, well, Michael and I had this discussion and Kathleen didn't understand, but like, no, like Henry straight up informed on Michael. Like he absolutely betrayed Michael to Fedra. So what Kathleen is upset about absolutely happened, but in getting to hear that full story, it humanizes him. Um, And I think that that's really, really key. But then even at the end, I mean, as first of all, everything I I did know what happened, what was going to happen to Sam. And it still was horrible. (laughs) <laughs> like you, like that whole scene, that whole scene with him and Ellie talking to each other where he's talking around it and he looks really upset. Like I, I knew where that was going. And even and when he revealed the bite, it still was like, oh, me. like you still hoped against hope that maybe they'll change it. Um, but that moment at the end, it's just like when when Henry shoots Sam and then doesn't know what to do and just has that moment of like he just lose. He just he doesn't. He's literally lost. Yeah. And kills himself, you sort of see, it's again, like we were talking about Kathleen, like Kathleen lost that tether to her humanity and went down this road. Joel lost his tether to humanity, went down a road, but is now coming back through Ellie. And Henry just doesn't have the strength to go to, he's not, he doesn't have the strength to become a Kathleen or go go on the journey Joel is. He's just done. And I think like to have those three very specific examples, you could throw Bill and Frank in there too. That Bill was just living a life that was empty of anything. He he had never had that person to hold on to and thought he never would. So was yeah. just living a very flat existence until he met Frank. So with eat with 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 Bill and Joel and Kathleen and Henry, each one of them, you sort of see this very different journey of what happens when you lose that love or find that love. Um, and I think that is again why Last of Us is so good because this story is so tight. The fact that you can line all of these characters up that we've met so far and all of these relationships and talk about them in relation to each other and the bigger themes of love in this zombie show, um, I think is what makes it so powerful. 
Uh, and I think also, Michael, something you can bring up with comparing all of these, they all, the protector and the protectee all die in these scenarios. So what is this pattern that the show is showing us that is, is always on the edge of Joel and Ellie uh, that I don't know, but it's like, you're seeing this pattern. You're like, yeah. what does this mean? Why are we well, focusing? And you can see it. I mean, and even, even though it's a much more, uh, it, Henry and Sam is the tragic version of Bill and Frank. Right. Like yeah, Frank yeah. was like, I'm done. They chose. And right, I'm right. go. I'm choosing to die. And right. Bill says, well, then I'm going to go with you because this is, I've had a good life thanks to you. Henry, it's way more brutal and tragic, but it's the same thing. He can't go on without Sam. Yeah. The Sam thing is also tragic because he didn't choose to have leukemia. He got it. He didn't choose to get bit. He got it. And that's the horrible truth of the world sometimes. And a lot of people, a lot of their religious like walls or the things that they slam up against when they're looking at religion is why does God take children? Why does God take these innocent kids? How is that possible? So it's to have that in this, in a microcosm here in this show, I think was really fascinating to explore that as well. And as I said, every protector and protectee, and you include Michael and Kathleen in that, they die as well, you know? So there is this kind of pattern developing here that we're seeing that's a really unsettling for me because, again, I've never played the game. I don't know where this is fucking leading, but it's it's kind of bothering me a little bit as we see this going on here. I also think what's fascinating, too, is that Michael has this, or uh, sorry, Henry has this moment where he says to Joel, um, I'm the bad guy, right? I, I did the bad guy thing. I'm the bad guy. And there's that real self-realization from him, but Joel is an older guy. So even in that moment, Joel looks at him like, you're young, you'll, you under, you have to understand this, you're gonna get past this. This is what people do to survive. You're just young and you're beating yourself up right now, but there, you can get through this. There is a way out but, uh, from the darkness of this guilt, you know? So you can see that. But, and even, and I know we're gonna get, we're gonna get to it in a minute yeah, when we talk about, about yeah, Joel and Ellie, yeah. but I think one of the key things though is that Joel, upon first hearing that Henry was an informant, has the exact same reaction that Kathleen does, even yes. uses the same word. Kathleen calls all of them rats yeah. at the beginning. And he's like, I don't, I don't deal with rats. Like I don't like like he like he's ready to walk away as soon as he hears it. And then they go on the journey, and it's when they're in the little daycare underground that Joel actually apologizes. And yeah. we see, to Shannon's point, that humanity that's developing within Joel because of empathy, where he kind of says, look, if you if you did what you did for him, like, I, I shouldn't have said what I said. And so seeing even Joel sort of slowly start in a very Kathleen place and then end differently to the point where he's willing to invite them to go with him to Wyoming yeah. is a big part of Joel's development. Yeah, and... Uh... Ellie kind of calling him out by going, oh, this is how he is. He'll say, never, never. And then I'll just ask him a million times and he'll do it. So it's interesting things. But uh, before we get too deep in, let's take a quick break. And then we'll jump into the Joel and Ellie storyline uh, right after this. Just the last of us. <laughs> okay. What? No. Uh, we're just going to keep that one. We're just gonna, that's, that's the one we're going to double up on. Okay. That, that is a result of technical difficulties. <laughs> I didn't have time to <laughs> Uh, okay, I'll give it to you. <laughs> um, all right, so let's go into Joel and Ellie uh, storyline here throughout this episode. You know, we see them getting woken up by Henry and Sam, and we see this fun back and forth, at least from fun from my end, where Ellie is telling Joel, hey, 
you know, tell them that you're okay. Tell them it's okay. And Joel's having the ass got the asshole voice and Ellie calls him out for it. And they eventually they settle and they're having food with them. And even, but Joel wants to end it. Joel's like, okay, we've eaten. Uh, we didn't kill each other. It's a win-win. Let's go on our way. But uh, Joel and Ellie get talked into being a part of this escape because they've got to get out. And Henry knew they had to get out because that's why they were that high. They were surveying the city and how the hell to get out of the city. So that we see them in the conference room. Joel is having this conversation with Henry. Joel doesn't want to help Henry. Joel's having, he's putting up walls, he's putting up these defenses, constantly questioning Henry. What do you need me for? Why is this all about? And and Ellie is the one, or sorry, yeah, Ellie is the one that kind of softens the situation up a little bit. Henry tells him about the infected being underground. This is why they need them in the tunnels. And then we see when they get into the tunnels, how Joel is the one telling everybody, calm the fuck down, stop celebrating. We still got a long way to go and guiding them through this situation. And then we go to the outside and they're all still talking loud and celebrating. We get more of Joel and Ellie. And as I just said a couple of minutes ago here, Ellie calls out Joel with, because Ellie is the one who invites Henry and Sam to go along with them to Wyoming. Joel resists it, but Ellie calls him out. So this is what he does. He says, no, no, no. Then I ask him a million times and he gives in. And then, boom, there's a shot. And they're all kind of crowded under here. And we have this fantastic, to me, exchange with Joel and Ellie where Joel's saying, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And Ellie's like, no, I want to go with you. He says to her, don't you trust me? And that is a huge, huge moment between them, I think. And, of course, down in the um, down in the uh, daycare area, we see Joel <clears throat> seeing Ellie kind of open up. Like we saw in the conference room, Ellie and Sam connecting over the – jokes and then we see down in the in the playground seeing or in the play area seeing him play soccer with with seeing her play soccer with sam you know all this so he's slowly caring for ellie more and more as we as this show goes along and certainly through this episode and then as i said we get to that moment out there and he runs around saves them and he's the one screaming and shooting from the window there to try to save ellie ellie gets into this truck we see this contortionist come through ellie jumps out and if there's another moment with Ellie and Joel where Joel realizes that Ellie is going to go save Henry and Sam. You see it come across his face like, this is who she is. All right, I've got to say, I've got to shoot everybody around her to have, make sure she can get it. And Ellie gets there. And by the way, Ellie knows exactly where to stab that knife in both of those two infected people. So clearly, she's had some training, as you mentioned about Fedra. Uh, they end up back in the uh, room there. We see Ellie and Sam having their back forth, as I mentioned. And Joel, uh, you know, when they burst through, Joel's the one that wants to save Ellie. His instinct is to save Ellie. Once again, Joel being kept from possibly saving a thing that he's caring about. We see this repeating uh, repeating throughout the series here so far. And eventually everything calms down uh, after, um, sadly, Henry kills himself. But Ellie's there. But when we cut to them later outside after Joel has buried their bodies, Ellie, they don't exchange any kind of pleasantries. There's no eulogy given. Ellie just lays that pad down asks which way is west and now she starts leading and joel is the one running up to catch up so very interesting shift in their dynamic ellie is getting harder and harder as she experiences more and more of the world and is becoming a mini joel which i think Druckmann referenced uh two episodes ago in the bill and frank story so um mike what are your thoughts here as we're seeing the more of the development of this relationship between joel and ellie and of course between uh, pedro pascal and bella ramsey well, I think what, again, what's great about the Henry and Sam storyline throughout is this is the first time that we've seen, like we've talked about, like, you know, like, so Kathleen is a, Kathleen and Michael are a representative of that. Bill and yep. Frank are representative, but we kind of get those stories in the absence of Joel and Ellie. This is Joel and Ellie coming right up against 
two characters that really represent them. And so having them all interact with each other, you get to, and also having Ellie have someone, two people who are closer to her own age to interact with, mm -hmm. um, you really get to see a lot of the differences and shades of their relationships come out. So like I was already saying with Joel, you know, Joel's journey with Henry is to be very distrustful because he distrusts everybody at first, find out he's a rat, be really like, I don't want to deal with you. Ellie kind of forces him into, we're going to help these people. Uh, and he reluctantly sort of gets that they probably could help each other. But then along this journey, really kind of like opening up a little bit. Um, uh, and then just to and then just to have Joel be badass because that's who Joel is in the entire scene, which is pulled from the game of him in the window, kind of shooting oh. at everybody while everyone's running around. Like you're like, that's one of those moments you're watching it and you're like, yeah, this this is this show is based on a video game. But like in a good, <laughs> positive way, you're like, it's a great sequence. It's really, really fun. And to your point, that moment right beforehand where he does say to Ellie, like, do you trust me? There yeah. is this idea, again, kind of like the difference in Joel and Ellie than with Henry and Sam, in that Joel is training Ellie, to, to your point, to be a little Joel, yeah, someone who is self-sufficient. So he's going to protect her, but part of protecting her is teaching her how to survive, whereas Henry maybe is protecting Sam in a way that is very, very loving, but not as um, effective in the world that they're living in. Right. right. Um, so I think that, yeah, this, this whole journey that Joel's on. And so like I think this is the other thing, and this is when you really examine how Walking Dead works versus how The Last of Us works. Walking Dead, the entire story is built around Rick as a character who will Ooh. never let the world get to him. So Rick starts off as this great guy. Rick is a good dude. And whether it is your best friend and your wife are cheating on you, your son is infected, Negan kills your best friend. Like, like the whole nature of Rick is if we're going to do a story where somebody never breaks no matter how bad it gets you have to keep making it worse as you get into season six, seven, eight, nine. Like you, you're, the nature of the show is we yeah. have to keep making things worse for Rick to show that he, as a representative of humanity, is going to survive no matter what. And the challenge with Walking Dead is about five or six seasons in, most people were like, I get it, but I just can't see any. Like I, I get that Rick is going to make it. I don't know if I can make it. Whereas Last of Us skips those like that's that is what happened like joel joel lost sarah worst thing that ever happened and right. he didn't yeah. come back from it and he went and did awful things he became a bad person but we catch up with him at the point in the story where he's redeemed but watching someone go start as a bad guy not bad guy but like as a guy who's not in a good place yeah and watching him find connection and find hope and pull himself out is a story that is inherently more hopeful than watching somebody repeatedly butt up against the worst, worst, worst and somehow make it. And so I think that what, this whole journey that we talk about with Joel each week, like these little moments with Ellie, seeing him open up, seeing him, uh, you know, laugh at her joke last week, seeing him have these moments where he apologizes to Henry, seeing these moments where he does these things like, He's, he's just as much of a badass as Rick ever was, and they both are sort of protectors of the people in their lives, but because he started in such a bad place and we're watching him come out of it, it's just way more enjoyable to watch. Just because you're a bad guy does not mean you're a bad, bad guy. Exactly a bad guy. <laughs> uh, Shannon, your thoughts here on the development and the furthering of the uh, connection and relationship between Joel and Ellie 
with the events of this episode and how it uh, went along in this uh, particular episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Vogel and you all as well, Johnny, cup, hit a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. But the the performances of Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, they're just so freaking good. Yeah. Um, you know, the moment that Ellie wakes Joel up and he wakes up to that gun being in his face pointed by Sam, you see the you see not the bad guy, but you see the survivor, Joel. You see, you know, his face goes it goes blank like it, yeah. it is he, he is ready. He's, he's like a cage tiger. Like he is ready to leap. And you hear Ellie kind of like, nope, we're cool. We're cool. We're cool. He just said it. He's sorry. He's got an asshole voice. I mean, I, another great moment with Lamar Johnson when he's just like, I don't like that tone, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was just really, really funny. Um, but also Joel is a very single minded dude. Like, even as they're eating, his goal at the end of that meal is to finish and leave because he just he does not trust anyone else. He, he has no he has no faith in humanity. Um, but to watch that again, that slow, that slow degradation of this shell that he has, this scab that he has become over the last 20 years. I mean, it's just Pedro Pascal. I, I don't know if this show is going to garner any um, acting awards um, just because I feel like what is being shown is so minimal. Um, and it's not because they don't deserve it. Um, but Pedro Pascal's work, it is so subtle and it is so simple that I think a lot of times it can, it can be overlooked. Yeah. Um, but he's doing incredible work. And so is Bella Ramsey. I mean, watching the way that she bonds with Sam is just so heartwarming and you see the journey that she's on this kid who, you know, was raised, you know, in, in with, with Fedra um, being so kind of shut off from the world. And now the thing that she wanted was, you know, get out. I want, I want to see stuff. You see uh, reality setting in, especially at the end. Um, the the lack of hesitation when she sees that Sam has been bit yeah. and she takes a knife out, cuts her hand. Like I'm going to save you, you know, puts the wound on his wound. And the next day it doesn't even occur to her that he would have, he would have changed yeah. um, because she didn't approach. She approached him with zero caution. Um, more just the fact that he was sitting on the edge of the bed looking out and she was like, Hey, Hey buddy. Um, and as Sam is going after her and, oh, good. This, this yeah. is another emotional moment. The, the way that she cries out for Joel. Woo, yeah. goodness. Um, again, just really, really great work. And the resignation that she has at the end as she puts the little the pad that just says, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, that you see she is, as Vogel said, she is becoming a little Joel. And I think Joel's ultimate responsibility in this aside from keeping her alive is to make sure that that doesn't happen, that this is yeah. a person that does not become so, um, so uh, scarred by the world that there's no hope left. Like it, it's, yeah. they're, they're both just doing excellent, excellent work. And that shot of them 
if they didn't use that in the promos, they really should have that sort of wide shot of them walking off in the distance and yeah. sort of dystopic landscape. Um, like it, that, that was just a beautiful, beautiful shot. Jeremy Webb, who directed the last two episodes really did a, a fantastic job. And apparently Jeremy said in the, I think it was in the last one, he, he got to choose which two episodes he wanted to direct. And he was like, these are the two that I really want to direct and lobbied for them. So clearly knew what he wanted to do with both of these episodes. And I think all three of us can say accomplished it for sure. Um, yeah. A thing real quick I want, I want to throw in here with Joel is I think Shannon, you bring up an excellent point. You know, us as actors and Michael, of course you've done some acting as well. Like you're watching these little micro movements of the face, these little eye things that changes. And Michael, you brought this up. Like when he changes immediately, once um, Henry starts to tell him what he did to save Sam after he had given up. And when he calls him out on him being a dad, Joel shuts and you see the change in his face and you see these moments happening for Joel and almost in the, the, the fear he has for Ellie. I think Joel 10 years ago has no problem with, Henry shooting Sam and Henry killing himself, but because Ellie is opening him up and getting him access to these emotions, they just kind yeah. of shut away. Maybe since his daughter uh, passed um, is allowing these, these moments of heightened emotion to exist uh, where you see the Joel that actually cares for people come out in these moments when the guards are down. And, and I think Pedro is doing a wonderful job, just like Bella in that when Bella when Sam is first shot and killed and Bella's rea- I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Ellie's reacting to it or Bella's reacting to it. And then her, nah, her not even articulated yeah. fully. No, when Henry kills himself, that is the thing that we're seeing here in the progression of Ellie. She is experiencing the world and getting harder, but, and Joel has been trying to like shove down her desires to be playful and make these jokes. And I think Shan, you make an excellent point. I think what we're going to see in the shift now is that Joel's got to find a way to bring that joy back out yeah. in Ellie and find the balance between the two, don't you think? Well, that is that is a hundred percent correct. If you look at like where we are in the show, uh, you you see that moment. Like Ellie like walks off and says, "Let's go." And now the fact that she's been the wisecracking kid for the first half of the season that yeah. Joel didn't want to have anything to do with, and that we got the great moment where he did giggle, and now it's sort of like it's going to flip, like. It's just great storytelling. Yeah, yeah, feels that way too. Uh, all right, let's uh, wrap it up there. Anything I missed? Anything you guys want to highlight? Any final well, words about this episode? I'll swing back to you, Michael, and then Shannon right afterwards. Yeah, I do want to. I do the one thing we didn't really talk a ton about, yeah. just because we've been so focused on the amazing characters. Which again, oh. this is a zombie show, and we've just spent Shit. over an hour talking about everything <laughs> except the zombies, uh, which which is great. It's why the show is so hey, good. But the. Uh, but we did get a bloater, um, and he was bloated. Uh, but more than just the bloater, I there's this great. And if you watch the after the after bit on HBO, I, you, you realize why. I went back and rewatched the thing. So when those infected pour out of that hole, it is a viscerally horrifying shot. Yeah, like it is. It is so upsetting. And here's the thing that made it great. They're all actual actors. That's not a CG shot. CG is amazing. CG can do so many things, but we have seen so many CG armies of zombies marching, crawling, running, speeding, whatever. But they went and hired a bunch of actors who had done like Planet of the Apes and other stuff who were movement actors 
and went through a whole like infected boot camp and had them all doing it. And that is why it was so effective. So what they do that's great about the show is it's a world, all, it's, it's a zombie show. It's all about infected, but we haven't seen a ton of infected. We've seen them in the moments, like in the test episode, we saw them. Uh, you know, we got the clickers, we got like all of the infected people waking up and running, but Bill and Frank, not a lot. And in last week's episode, not a lot, but when they go for it, they really go for it and they're doing it in all the right ways. They're not relying on CG. They're not relying on all of these other things. Like they really are working hard to make this as effective as possible. And it's really, really working. Yeah. Kind of like the shark in Jaws, like the less is more until you need to add Yeah. It. Air. And that's a great point, Michael. Yeah. Sorry to everybody who's watching for me leaving the bloaters until an hour into our <laughs> review. But, you know, I love the character stuff, you know, but that, yeah, of course, that moment was so unsettling, Shannon, seeing them pouring out and just killing indiscriminately and seeing the brutality mirroring what we saw at the beginning of the episode, the savagery of the deaths here. Uh, the infected imposing on the hunters. And then, of course, the bloater coming out and ripping the head off of Perry, which was so unsettling to see. Uh, in essence, leveling up in a video game, so to speak, kind of adaptation here. What do you think? What do you think about all of this and the bloaters and the design of the bloater as well? I mean, again, having not played the game, uh, the the scene that they have their version of like a cave troll from <laughs> Lord of the Rings. And like the thing that, is fascinated about it balls yeah yeah. (laughs) uh is uh uh the the what the uh fungus does yeah like it the the fungus and that bloater is feeling these bullets you know rapid fire coming from perry and the action is not to bite him to eat him it is to disable him and he does so by ripping his head off. Yeah. Um, but then the contortionist that you were talking about, John, like, like from a writing standpoint, it's really, really fascinating. It's like how, what, what is, what does the fungus want? Hmm. Like, like it just wants to survive and it doesn't, it, it, you know, you look at how it takes over a person's body and how that little girl who, again, thinking of the walking dead, the first time Rick really sees a zombie as a little blonde girl, at least in the hmm. show. Um, but watching how she moves, like this is how like that is the that is the fungus sort of piloting this empty shell and just mm-hmm. watching how you know it, it, it's it's a roll here it's a shoulder roll there it's just it's just filmmaking it's fascinating because it's uh pretty yeah. unlike things that we've that we've seen before but also just from a writing standpoint it's fascinating because yeah. you you know you always talk about giving your characters motivation and a character in this is the fungus it is yeah. the 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 thing that's yeah. powering all the infected yeah like did you want to chime in with one more thing or are you good well just like what's great about that contortionist moment is and 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 i don't know i would be curious to find out like sometimes something is written in a script like some some like somebody maybe wrote in the script uh you know uh an infected crawls into the car and moves in an inhuman way unlike anything you've ever seen but it's just as likely that they were doing infected boot camp and you had that kid and the director was like holy shit she can do what yeah she's in the car you know like that's the great part about uh about about the creative medium of the entertainment industry is that uh great ideas come along at every point in the process the writer bring something to it the director brings something to it the performers bring something to it like everyone up and down the up the editors the visual effects people like it's just it's an additive thing where everyone when everything is working 
And when you have, when everyone has a really strong sense of this is the story that we're telling, which is definitely true here, uh, yeah. everything feels like it's just working in sync. Well, um, you can see the contortionist's audition. She auditioned like that and on YouTube, they have the audition. So they clearly wanted to get an actress who could yep. do that. And so watch that audition if you want. It's unsettling as hell how limber this uh, young actress is and what she's able to do because the creepiness of her rolling through that truck level oh, yeah. by level as she gets closer to Ellie is so unsettling and scary when you're watching that scene. And that's why you cast the way you cast, you know, so great, great stuff um, overall there. Also, if you guys want to watch the actual Henry and Sam scene with Joel and Ellie, that is the end scene of this episode. There is a gameplay on YouTube where they show the whole scene, like they have the whole six hours and whatever of, of the, of the, uh, of the scenes there from the game. And that scene is there. It is just as harrowing as you see in this uh, live action adaptation. So, so much there to explore for sure. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's wrap it up there. Thank you all so much for joining uh, us uh, for this spoiler review of episode five, Endure and Survive of The Last of Us. We appreciate it madly. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media and hear just The Last of Us even more, you can follow me on Twitter at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, well, look, we clearly love talking about all this stuff, and we love that you're listening to it. And here's what you guys can do to help us keep doing what we do. You can hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, and check out all the amazing content he's got there. Leave your comments below. We want to know what you guys thought about Last of Us Episode 5. Uh, if you were listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some comments and leave us some stars. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. And of course, big shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here uh, on the Geek Buddies. Please head on over there for any healthcare questions, concerns, or, concerns or needs. Help to go to CarbonHealth.com, download the app to have an, uh, an app in your pocket there, uh, or a dock in your pocket, as they like to say, the kids. Uh, 100 plus locations all over uh, the states, 80 plus <laughs> locations in California alone, working hard to bring you some new mental health stuff as well. Mental health programs, they really believe in creating healthcare plans that suit you both inside internally and mentally as well so all of that as well as physically taking care of you there at carbonhealth.com go and check them out today all right y'all take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here from the geek buddies Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.